give a testimony this evening before we get started. Hallelujah. God been good to you now? <laughs> All right. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. We need, we need to be in prayer for all those people effective, affected by that recent terrorist attack. We've got a lot of Americans that was affected by that that was there. And uh, you know, I think it's time for our government and, uh, and, and even most, most of the people that's running for president, most of them uh, is in on this. And everybody else, I am sick and tired of them trying to cram down American people's throat that, that Islamic faith is a religion of peace. That's bull. It's not a religion of peace. Amen. It's nothing good about it, nothing right about it. It's a false doctrine. They got a false God. And their own Bible, the Koran, I, I have read some out of the Koran, and it is, it, it is written in, in the Koran. Now, here... In the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every, every creature. Amen? It don't tell us that if, if, if the world don't convert, for us to kill them. But the Koran does. If you can't convert the infidel, which they call non-believers, those who are not Muslims, if you can't convert them, destroy them. That's written in their Bible. That is no religion of peace. Amen. And I don't know why in the world, amen, they keep trying to sell the American people a bill of goods because it's false. It's not true. Amen. And I've, I've made up my mind every time I get a chance to, to let it out, I'm going to let it out. Amen. Because this is one of the most dangerous situations that the world and our country has ever seen. And all, and all of these immigrants being, being going all over the world, over half of them, our, our, our infiltration going into these countries to be able to do stuff just like that. And sooner or later, we're going to have one happen right here again. We're going to have a, a lot of people. We, we need to really be in prayer, amen, about that. Hallelujah. Um, because um, uh, if you were, um, Brother George uh, uh, Besmaji, uh, when he was, talking in the missionaries mission uh, area conference he's uh worked in uh, jordan and syria and the middle east and um he's 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 from that area and he, he knows more about it than just about anybody and uh the talk that he gave during the missions conference uh he is he says y'all need to y'all need to forget about the roman catholic church he says i know he says 
uh, uh, people have been harping for years and years, scared to death about the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church. He, he said that, uh, he said, I'm sold beyond a shadow of a doubt that, uh, uh, that the Antichrist and the man of sin is going to come out of this Islam. And he gave all kind of indications and, and scriptures and stuff. And uh, if you didn't uh, get to hear that, I wish you, uh, everybody could have heard that. Because, uh, I mean, there's nobody else in a better position to have uh, some understanding of that than what Brother Betsmaji, uh does. And so we are definitely living in the perilous times that the Apostle Paul spoke about and told about. It's, it's not going to get no better. It's going to get worse. It's going to, uh, the Bible said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many is going to what? Wax cold. Hallelujah. Amen. And the, why, the reason why he used that word wax cold, uh, when uh, the colder uh, wax gets, the hotter it gets. That's how it hardens. Uh, Sister Darlene has made a lot of candles and stuff like that in the past, and she's got, had candle molds and stuff, and you pour that wax heated up, but as it cools, uh, cools off and gets cooler, it hardens. And that's why Jesus and the Word of God said, because that uh, iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, getting people's heart getting harder and harder all the time. But I'm glad for the message of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And the hope that we have in Him. I want them uh, to put up Psalms 99 and, uh, 99 and 5 in the King James Version. This is what we've been focusing on the last few weeks on Wednesday night. Uh, and hopefully we're going to wrap this up tonight. been talking about uh, uh, the uh, essence and concept of true uh, biblical worship. Uh, and uh, uh, we're going to uh, finish that up, and uh, I want to read that just as soon as they get that up. I'm ready for it now. Uh, uh, Psalms 99 and 5. If you remember from the, uh, from the very first, he said, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Amen. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His footstool, for He is holy. Amen. Uh, most of the uh, that I notice that he's he's got that in the New King James Version. The scriptures that we're going to be reading tonight are going to be all in the regular King James. Um, we began our study uh, three or four weeks back, uh, talking about biblical worship, true biblical worship, by talking about true worship involving sacrifice brokenness, and humility. Uh, for those of you that was here for that first night's lesson of that, and uh, we brought this out where he said that we worship at his footstool, uh, letting us know that we've got to humble ourselves uh, and get down, amen, and, and, and not to have no kind of pride or be heady or high-minded, amen, but humble ourselves in, in, in the sight of the Lord. And so that's how we, um, we begin our lesson uh, and, um, about uh, sacrifice, brokenness, humility. Then our last lesson uh, that we talked about and uh, before the uh, missions conference, uh, we didn't have Wednesday night Bible study uh, because of the missionary conference, but last time you remember we talked about useless worship. And at first glance, you think, well, how can any kind of worship be useless? 
but we did an awful lot of stuff and brought out a lot of things uh, to let us know about useless uh, worship, what the Bible calls useless uh, worship, um, such as wheel worship. If you remember, we, we did them point at a time. Uh, the Bible talks about wheel worship, vain worship, uh, uh, blind worship, and so on. Uh, we talked about all of that in our last lesson. Tonight, we're going to wrap this up, and we'll be getting into something else after the night. Lord willing, um, tonight we're going to end this study by discussing what true worship embraces or what true worship will lead us to. Hallelujah. Uh, we need to have some understanding on that when we worship God and we get involved in true worship, what is true worship going to lead us to? Uh, what, is, what is it going to help us to embrace? Um, and uh, uh, what will that lead when once we get involved in, in true worship? And this won't be very lengthy tonight. There's really only two things that I'm going to talk to. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I didn't, they don't have an outline up there, so I'm going to let them know the uh, first scripture I'm going to be getting to and uh, so they'll have it ready to put up when we get to it. We're going to be going to Mark, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Um, but as we worship the Lord, uh, true worship, true biblical worship will cause us, cause us to embrace some things or it will lead us to some things. And the first thing that worship embraces, and, and for those of you that uh, I see are, are taking notes on this, worship embraces repentance. Hallelujah. Worship embraces repentance. That When we get involved in worshiping the Lord in the right kind of way, Every time you get involved in worship God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you to embrace repentance. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lead you to repentance. Every time we approach the throne of the king to bring adoration and praise, there needs to be incorporated with our worship a heart and attitude of repentance to whereas we acknowledge it by His grace and mercy that we are even allowed to bow in His presence and be overshadowed by His glory. Hallelujah. When I come to the house of God and I begin to worship God, it leads me in my mind, in my thoughts, my attitude into an attitude of repentance. Amen. I've been out there, uh, I've been out there going through the world uh, involved in everything that we get in, uh, involved in. Uh, and like the Bible talks about that, uh, uh, who was it that the Bible talks about? It, he was, uh, his righteous soul was vexed by the conversation of the wicked. Hey, if you get, if you get around dirt, you're going to get dirty. Hallelujah. Now, I had a brother-in-law. He's been gone to meet the Lord, my sister's husband. <laughs> that man always amazed. He was a hard worker all his life, and he was involved with, uh, uh, with, you know, manual labor of all kinds, and uh, he didn't he didn't mind work whatsoever. But so help me, 
I don't know how that man did it, but he would he would end his when he would end his day after working and he'd be driving trucks and loading and unloading trucks uh, and all that kind of stuff and working in warehouses and and everything else. I don't care if he put in uh, 10, 11, 12 hours a day. By the end of the day, his, he still didn't have a hair out of place. His hands was clean enough to eat, and he didn't look like he'd been doing nothing. I mean, the man, I don't know. Now, me, <laughs> all I got to do is get within five feet of a grease pit, and some of it's going to jump on me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that, you know. And... Uh, when uh, this is one thing that worship is important. This is one reason why it's important for us together uh, with one another at the house of the Lord, like on Wednesday night on Sunday, because we've been out there, amen, struggling and fighting with all the stuff that's going on in the world, and we need to come in to worship God because it helps us to embrace repentance in our life, and we renew ourselves, hallelujah, through worship. We renew our spirit, hallelujah. Amen. There's a lot of times, and I'm, I don't know uh, how many uh, will, will, will care to admit it, whatever, but uh, by all the devils that I fight, there's a lot of times when I come in the house of God, amen, man, I've been fighting the devil so hard, sometimes I come in and I say, Lord, where are you? I don't feel you. I even still got the Holy Ghost tonight. But it'll take but just a few minutes of the worship begin to go in and I begin to worship God and praise God. It renews my spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I need it. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul, and we, we, we quote this scripture all the time. Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Now, he didn't physically die. He's talking about repentance, dying out to sin, dying out to the world. Amen. And if, if we really get involved in true worship, it's going to cause us to embrace repentance. Hallelujah. Worship, now listen to this. Worship apart from repentance is mere lip service. If you go <coughs> to worship God and leave, and there's been no repentance in your heart, then your worship has just been lip service. Even demons will go through a formality of worship, but they don't ever repent. Do you know the devils worship God? They'll go through a formality of worship, but they don't, they don't, they don't, they, it don't cause them to embrace repentance. That's how come that they remain to be devils and they're still going to be lost and go to hell. I want to give you Bible verse. I'm going to give you scripture to show you. Uh, and uh, right now we're going to go to Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Go ahead and put that up there. Let's look at this. And they came over <coughs> to the other side of the sea and to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. They couldn't keep him bound. I mean, he, he stayed naked, he'd tear his clothes off. He was wild. Um... And he was filled with all of these, these demons and devils. <coughs> Amen. Who had his dwelling among uh, the tombs, 
because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. Notice that. The chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. When somebody's demon-possessed, it's amazing the strength that they'll have. And that strength don't come from them. It comes from the spirits that's within them. Now, we haven't um, uh, had a situation like this in a while here. But I remember many I remember one time in particular, years ago, over to the old building, Brother Hale was still pastor. I was I was either the, the assistant pastor or the Sunday school superintendent at that time, I don't remember which now for sure, but I was working helping him. Um and there was a lady come come up for prayer, and this lady was small. Uh she wouldn't weigh 98 pounds soaking wet. And she came up for prayer and uh, for something, and as soon as people begin to pray, the demons begin to stir up within her, and she just went plumb wild. And there was some other sisters gathered around her, trying to help subdue her so we could pray. Uh, I, 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 I don't know how, uh, you know how how to say this without getting in trouble, but but these other sisters gathered around her. I put it this way: they weren't small ladies, <laughs> pretty good size, you know. And this late, this one lady that was demon possessed, wouldn't weigh ninety eight pounds. She was pitching them around like they was rag dolls. I mean, the amount of strength, and the strength, you know, <coughs> the strength. That was coming forth. <coughs> I got a little tickle in my throat. And uh, yeah, would you give me a bottle of water? I appreciate it. You know the strength that was coming from her was not hers, but it was from those demons that was in her. And that's what the scripture says here. They tried to use fetters and chains to bind this man, but he had plucked them asunder. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Man, these things were powerful. They were powerful. They couldn't keep him chained, couldn't keep him bound. And uh, every time he would break them, thank you. Go ahead to the next verse. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones, self-mutilation, self-mutilation. There's a lot of teenagers that get involved in that today. They cut themselves with knives and stuff. Um, last year, I found I found out uh, they don't tell you. Any, they, school administrators don't tell you anything. Uh, they really you need to know. To, uh, uh, to help combat some of the things you got to deal with. But I found out in a roundabout way through the grapevine uh, that I had, a, uh, I had a girl in my elementary school 
uh, she was just in the fourth grade, and this girl was going through uh, depression and stuff, and she would, uh, she would cut herself, cut her arms and stuff. She had scars all up and down both arms. Four, fourth grader, you know, uh, all kind of spirits. Uh, people can do anything when, when they're controlled by spirits like that. So this man cut himself with stones. Go ahead with the next verse. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and what? Washed him. The devils even will worship God, but they won't never repent. And when he saw Jesus coming, he ran to him, and he worshipped him. But did he repent? No. He didn't repent. Jesus asked him a little later on, and in other places, he said, what, what is your name? He says, my name is Legion, because we are many. Of course, you know the story. Jesus cast him out and cast him out into a herd of swine. And the swine had better sense than the man did. The swine drew the die and the devil and they ran off a cliff and drowned You know, and everybody knows that story. But I want to give you that to let you know that if you really go to the house of God and you worship God, you're going to embrace repentance. Hallelujah. There's going to be some repentance in your heart. Amen. I do it every time I come to worship Him. And if, 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 if worship don't lead you to repentance, cause you to embrace repentance, you want to make sure that everything's right with you and God, then your worship is not genuine. It's not, it's not gen, genuine. It's only lip service. And I gave you that one example of Scripture um, to, um, uh, to point that out and to bear that out. You're going to notice, as in the story that we said, that the demons worshipped the Lord, but they never repented. Of course, we know that repentance is not in them. You know, repentance is uh, it's not even a thought, a consideration with demons. And likewise, if our worship doesn't lead us to repentance, it is because of a cold, calloused heart. Hallelujah. That's one of the biggest problems. People talk, I've had people ask me all the time, what do you think about Mr. Trump? I said, well, one, I said, something he said at the very beginning turned me off with him. Uh, when they was, he was talking about, uh, about religion and whatever, and about he, he went to church, and he, he talked about, yeah, he did go to church. He had a uh, Presbyterian church that he went, went to, and uh, they said, uh, have you ever repented? He says, no, I never, need, never need, needed to. He said, you do, he said, if you mess up, do something wrong, he says, fix it and go on. <laughs> he don't have a knowledge of what the Bible says about repentance. He don't have a, he don't, he don't have a clue. And uh, any man any man stand up and tell, tell, tell me he ain't never seen a need to repent, uh, I don't know what to think about that fella. Hey, hallelujah. I mean, we know what's, where, where his outcome is going to be if he don't ever repent. Ain't nobody ever went to heaven, nobody ever will go to heaven and hadn't repented. Amen. 
Repentance is a must. And we all have to repent. Hallelujah. Even, even Mr. Trump has to repent. Okay, let's, let, let's move on. Also, what else does worship embrace? Worship embraces knowledge. Worship embraces knowledge. When we enter into worship, there needs to be a knowledge of who and why we worship. Hallelujah. There's got to be a knowledge. You've got to have some knowledge there of who it is you're worshiping, and not only who it is you're worshiping, but why you're worshiping. Worship becomes vain and empty if we don't possess an intrinsic knowledge of who and why we worship. I want him to put up John chapter 4 and verse 22. This is where Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. John chapter 4 and verse 22. This is what Jesus told the woman at the well. <clears throat> now this is the words of the Lord. He said, Ye worship, ye know not what. For we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Hallelujah. But the hour cometh, and now is. The true worshipers, see? Let me stop right there. Not all worship is true. If Jesus said there's some people that are true worshipers, then you should already understand if, there, if God has designated some true worshipers, there's got to be some false worship. Doesn't that, isn't that logical? Does that make sense? If Jesus said the true worshipers let you know there's got to be some false worshipers somewhere, one of Brother Hale's favorite messages to preach, he preached it many times and. uh I can't tell you how many times I sit behind him and he would say, read for my Brother Sammy. I imagine Brother Wayne has read for Brother Hale a few times in the past. Uh, but one of his favorite passages of Scripture was John 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I, I never will forget stand, sitting behind Brother Hill, and he had me read that. And just just read that first part there. I am the true bride. Stop, Brother Sammy. Huh? Everybody's, he, if he's the true vine, he says, bless God. You know there's got to be a false one out there. Hallelujah. Amen. you got to know there's a false one out Jesus said the true vine. Hallelujah. Well, the true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So, um, worship involves knowledge. Jesus told her, he says, you worship, you know not what. Knowledge brings you into an intimacy. Now, Brother Flannery preached about this while he was here during, during the revival. He talked about becoming intimate with God in our worship. Knowledge brings you into an intimacy just like when a man and woman 
become one in marriage. The worshiper becomes one with Christ. This is the chief aim of worship. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And that's the chief aim of us coming together to worship, that we can become one with the Lord. God desires us to be one with Him, just like, like the man and the wife, when they come together in marriage, become one. Behold, two become one flesh. God wants that same relationship with you. He don't want him way over here and you way over there. He wants y'all to come. He wants us all to come together to him, and we join together as one. Hallelujah. Join together as one. So <clears throat> when we say worship embraces knowledge, Knowledge of something makes you intimate with it. You receive knowledge of someone. The more knowledge you get of someone, the more intimate you become with them. That's the chief aim of worship, to become one with Christ. Now, listen to this. The bearing of fruit, Jesus says, every tree, every branch of me that don't bring forth good fruit is what? What's going to happen? Every branch in me is going to be cut off, cast into the fire. It's the will of God that we all bring forth fruit. The key to bringing forth fruit is becoming intimate with the Lord. The intimacy to become one with Christ. The bearing of fruit becomes impossible without intimacy, just like it's impossible for a, for a husband and wife to bear children unless there's some intimate contact. It's the same thing, but now we ha we we can't we can't think carnally here. We got to st think uh, spiritually. Um, I have preached and taught down through the years uh, as pastoring from basically almost almost every book in the Bible. But there's one book in the Old Testament uh, I've really not got into a whole lot. I have just a little, but I hadn't got into it because people's mind become too carnal. I'm talking about the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a beautiful, uh, it's a very beautiful book. It talks of the relationship between uh, 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 the bride, which is the church, and, and Christ, the, the groom. But you, when you're reading it and you're studying it, you've got to keep thinking in the Spirit. You cannot let yourself uh, uh, go towards the flesh. And if you're able to do that, it's a very beautiful thing because this is the chief thing. This is why we come together. God wants us to have an intimate relationship. You've heard me say all the time, uh, it's not more religion this world needs, it's a relationship. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, now, everybody in here is adults, and, 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 and I'm going to end this up by saying this, talking about our worship and embracing and getting into intimacy with the Lord. Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians in the third chapter. He says that I might know him. 
that I might know him. That's what Paul wrote in Philippians, that I might know him. What's he talking about? That I might know him. He said, and the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. I can, I can just, I can almost just see Paul as he said that. I can, I can almost see the expression on his face when I close my. He said that I might know him. Know knowledge is the same thing. Intimacy. Put it together. It's the same word in the original as goes back to Genesis, to where in Genesis the Bible says, and Adam knew. Eve, and she conceived. It's the same thing. It, it refers to an intimate relationship causing the birthing of fruit. And that's what God wants from his people. That's what God wants from all of us. We need to strive. We should have a desire. God, I want to get closer to you. And you know what? Becoming close to God, you're not going to do it right here. Because your worship, when you come here, ever how your worship is, it reflects on what your relationship is before you get here. Amen. Because real true worship comes from down in here. It don't just come from the lips. It comes from the heart. You've got to have a really strong feeling of love down here toward the Lord. It's got to burn. That's why Jesus told the church in Ephesus, he says, I've got something against you because you've left your first love. That first love is that romantic love that you get when you first come in contact and build a relationship with someone. Amen. He says, I want you to go back. I, I want you to have that, that love. There's got to be an intimacy because you're not going to be able to bear fruit. You're not going to do anything in the kingdom of God if we ain't together as one, if we're not intimate. That's what it's all about. So I hope that you've picked up a little bit more in these last few weeks about worship and the essence of true worship. And uh, we, we want to focus uh, on our worship and uh, that it will lead us to a more 